Icarus Audiobooks presents All I Want for Christmas is You by Byron Summer, read by George Livington. Santa looked up from the paper in his hands and stared at the elves sitting across the table from him. What the hell is this? he demanded. Binko leaned forward in his chair and against the table. Changes to this year's schedule, he said. Look, Chris, we've been crunching the numbers. Total and unwavering faith in your omnipotence is down almost 500% since 1986. A chirpy younger elf in a business suit piped up. It's the lowest it's been since Car TV. Santa sighed. But this, this is just unreasonable. I've got four guys working on miracle wishes. Three of those are working flat out as it is. And the other one? Started Binko. It's best not to talk about Twinkle. He's not been right since the polar bears got into the toy sheds. Look, Santa. Santa stood, knocking over his chair. You will call me Mr. Christmas, he shouted. Look, Mr. Christmas, we have a responsibility to the children. We all know what happens if they stop believing in you. Yes, screamed Santa. We all stop existing, the North Pole implodes, and the rest of the world is flooded by a foot and a half of water. If they all know what happens, why has he said it? Well, for our sake, I suppose. Yeah, it's just lazy writing. Santa took a hip flask from his coat pocket and took a long gulp. But every Christmas wish! Can't we just, I don't know, extend Christmas by day? Binko threw his hands into the air. Do you really want to explain to the Easter Bunny why a horde only gets one day and you get two? And don't get me started on what the Boxing Day homunculus will say. Mr Christmas, after all is said and done, we are your bosses and this really isn't negotiable. You've got from 0 hundred hours Christmas Day on Tonga to 2300 hours, 59 minutes, 59 seconds Christmas Day on American Samoa to complete Christmas. Furthermore, every wish must be fulfilled by 1000 hours local time and that is final. Santa pushed his chair over and knocked over a bookcase. You'll regret this, Binko. You'll... Oh dear. You'll... Expletive. Regret this. He stormed out of the room and slammed the door. The toy sheds were buzzing with excitement. Rows and rows of tables manned by elves who were working at full speed. Christmas Day was looming. Santa threw open the huge double doors with a crash. All of the elves turned to look at him. He stumbled through the door, threw his cigarette on the floor and stamped it out, before making his way around the tables to the large stage at the front of the shed. All attention was on him. He made his way to the front. He looked dishevelled. Comrades! He boomed. I have some bad news. I've been in talks with the Federal Bureau of Toys and Gifts. One elf at the back of the shed whooped. Well, it has been decided that we have to make every Christmas wish come true by 10am Christmas Day. You've got to be... Expletive! Kidding me! Yelled the same elf from the back. Bit much all this swearing for a children's book. You said it was a children's book. Oh, I see. No, Ginger, I'm not! Sighed Santa. I wish I... Expletive! Was. We've got to. The shed erupted into shouting. Santa raised his hands in an attempt to quiet them. Please! He yelled. We've been up against this kind of thing before. Remember the war? I had to fly through bombing raids and avoid anti-aircraft guns. Or what about when we didn't pay export tax and were banned from Southeast Asia for three years? We've been through worse, and there'll be worse to come. That being said, he said, taking a deep breath, Rows 8 and 10, I need you to report to the Wishes and Dreams Department. There was a groan and the sound of hundreds of tiny wooden stools being moved. Everyone else, I've signed off on overtime. We've got 1,400 hours going for the next week if anyone is interested. The fax machines and computers of the Wishes and Dreams Department beeped and whirred. A short, plump elf ripped a sheet from the fax machine and read the words printed on it. 
she gasped. She quickly walked back to her desk and picked up the phone. It trilled twice before a groggy-sounding Santa picked up. What? he said. Hiya, Santa, she said. It's Joyce from Dubs and Dees. I've just got a quick question about one of these wish requests. Approve it, he replied. I don't think, she started. Just approve it. Santa, I really think we should just... Expletive. Approve it, he yelled. The phone was slammed down and the line went dead. Joyce sighed and flipped through her filofax before punching a number into her phone. A red phone flashed silently in an old library. An elf wearing a suit and white covers over his shoes answered. Joyce's voice echoed through the library. Hiya! It's Joyce from Dubs and Dees. We need an item collector from Woking, UK, and delivered to North Pole Terminal 1. The elf in the suit listened intently to what he was hearing. He had been known to procure certain difficult-to-find items across the human world and deliver them to the Santa family personally. It would not be the first time he would have had to. It would not be the first time he would have to collect this kind of item. He placed the phone back in his receiver and made his way out of the library and into a main hall. He removed his suit jacket, then put on a leather jacket and took the shoe covers from his feet before making his way into his personal deer shed. He mounted the black deer grazing there before taking off into the night. Santa walked around the Wishes and Dreams department, checking on the paperwork and looking over the incoming faxes. Regular stuff. Wishes to see a family member. Proposals. Births. One time the death of a neighbour. And toys. On a normal year, most of these wishes would be filed and forgotten about. This year, however, using an obscene amount of Christmas magic, long-lost brothers would arrive home, rings would be bought, babies would be born, and Mrs. Jones in number 193 would bite the big one. The costs would be massive for everyone, not to mention the fairy dust miners. But it was a sacrifice they had to make. Without belief in Santa, they would all cease to exist. Santa made his way out into the cold day. The snow was deep on the ground but it was beautifully sunny. The only 15 minutes of light they would get today. He made his way across the complex and into the deer sheds, passing busy elves packing up the sleigh and alternate sleighs that would be placed all over the world in preparation. Santa ran his hand along the golden rails of the sleigh. He heard a noise and stopped moving. It was a low groan. He couldn't pinpoint exactly where it was coming from. An elf heaved another sack onto the sleigh and the bolts groaned under the weight. He sighed and left the shed. The night had finally arrived. After hundreds of elf hours and thousands of pieces of paperwork, signed and double-signed, he was ready to go. Santa heaved himself into the sleigh and put on his headphones. The chatter from the control tower was immense. Then, a single voice cut through the noise. Santa, this is Flight Control. You're cleared for takeoff. You have a slight tailwind following you, so you make excellent time. Give her up. Santa lifted the reins in his hands. Some of the newer elves looked on excitedly. They'd heard the rumours. The older elves knew better. Santa clicked the reins lightly and said, walk on. The deer broke into a gentle trot, then lifted off the ground almost immediately. After several hectic hours over Australia, Asia, and various parts of Eastern Europe, Santa finally arrived in London. He landed the sleigh in southeast London and quickly looked over his list. The house belonged to Sarah Pallet. She was on a W&D list for a completed Christmas miracle. He rummaged through the back of the sleigh until he found the bag he was looking for and peeped inside. Santa went cold. Inside the bag was a 26-year-old man, bound and gagged with a terrified look on his face. When he saw Santa, he screamed into the sock in his mouth. Oh! Expletive! said Santa. He checked the notes on his list. The wish had been approved by him. He heaved the man out of the sleigh and went to untie his arms. He had to let him go. Then he stopped. If he didn't make this delivery, 
Christmas would be shut down for good. He put his flick knife away and heaved the man over his shoulder, and carefully heaved him over to the chimney and heaved him down before following after. The room was darkly lit by fading Christmas lights. Sarah Pallet was asleep in the armchair. Santa picked the young man back up and heaved him over to the tree. On the way, he kicked the coffee table, knocking over a glass of milk. It smashed on the floor. Sarah awoke. She screamed. Then she saw the man Santa had brought with him. She stopped screaming. She smiled. And she pulled a knife. Santa backed away slowly. This was very, very bad. Your wish, he said, pointing at the man on the ground. Not quite, Santa Claus. It's not him I want. What do you mean? The man on the ground struggled as Sarah walked past him, the knife swaying side to side as she approached. Santa pulled his own knife. The wish was just a ploy to get you here. All I want for Christmas is you. The woman jumped at him, the knife flashing in the dim. Christ, who are you? I own this building. Who the hell are you and what are you doing in my studio? Mr. Gleason, look. Ian Bloody Icarus. I should have known you'd be behind this. What's up? Get out! Wait, don't, don't touch me! Good Lord! Told you a few weeks ago. If I find you... I'm recording you, I'm recording you on my phone. It's, it's Christmas Eve, you idiot! What was that? Nothing. What's been going on? Nothing. Who was that? The studio owner. I thought you were the studio owner. No. And who are you? I'm just the cleaner. The cleaner? My God. I'd understand if you don't want to record anymore. Oh, look, it's... it's sleeting. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it doesn't really matter. What well, doesn't? Well, you're not a real producer. Yes, it does. We don't have a studio anymore. Oh, I'm sure we can find somewhere. But, uh... What? Well, I'm not really a real actor. Not in any meaningful sense. I haven't had a proper stage role in years. Nothing in film for even longer, let alone telly. Oh, don't put yourself down. No, it's true. I haven't acted in so long. Not until this, so... Uh, thank you, I suppose. Huh. Thank you, too. Are we going to record the end? Nah, no need. I could put it out like this. Just call it cliffhanger. Or to do the credits, though. Record them on the phone. Might need to get back inside. Microphone, pick up the wind. It's so late. I don't think we'll find anywhere. There's a, there's a light over there. Oh, oh yes. The cafe, isn't it? A presser manger. It's pre... Never mind. It's open late. Look at the time. Midnight. You know, I never thought I'd spend Christmas Day in a manger. The episode's going out on Christmas Day, you know. I'm just going to upload it after the Queen's speech. Good-o. Want to do these uh, credits, then? Yeah, I should do. That was All I Want for Christmas Is You by Byron Summer. And read by George Liddington. Ian Icarus was the producer for Icarus Audiobooks. Follow us on Twitter at, at Icarus Audiobook, where this week one lucky follower will win their two front teeth. Leave us a five star review on iTunes and try to get this week's secret word into it. The secret word is menorah. Menorah. Icarus Audiobooks. 
bit of walking on funshine. We're walking on funshine? Yeah. I thought it was we fly too close to the fun. Oh, no, I change it up now every now and then, you know, try, try new things. Oh, right. Fair enough. I, uh, I suppose I'll see you in the new year then. More than likely. Well, send my love to your mother. I will. Merry Christmas, George. Merry Christmas, Ian. And incidentally, a happy Christmas to all of you at home. What?